really appreciated the music this morning so much. Please pray for Pastor Paul and Clayton and uh, the folks that are out at Cary uh, for board meetings and a Bible conference. So if you pray for them, that'd be a good thing to do. <clears throat> this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke's Gospel, the 11th chapter. Uh, I'm going to be speaking on a very challenging subject, and that is the subject of hell. And uh, the Lord has led me to the 12th chapter of the book of Luke, and I want to share some things about that ominous topic, hell. So let's bow in prayer. Father, this morning, we just ask that what the Lord Jesus taught when he was here on earth about the subject of hell, may it grip our hearts and may it shape our lives. And Lord, may we care more about the love of Christ and about the people that have accepted it and then those who've rejected it. Lord, help us today to love you and understand again how much you love us. In Christ's name, amen. In the 12th chapter, it starts out, in the meantime, and this is Jesus in his latter part of his earthly ministry, And when so many thousands of people had gathered together, they were trampling one another. Now, that's quite a statement, isn't it? Uh, There were so many people, uh, you would have thought Jesus might give us something here on crowd control, but he didn't. Uh, People were uh, running over each other and, and pushing each other. Then he began to say to his disciples, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Let me translate that for you. The teachings of these religious leaders, it's hypocrisy. And then he goes on to say, Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. God's going to know all this. Therefore, whatever you have said in darkness will be made light, and when you've whispered it in private rooms, it shall be proclaimed from the housetops. You know, when we're in this life, nothing is secret. Everything is known by God. It's amazing when you think about it. Now I want to get to our text this morning. We can flip that up there if you want to. Uh, In Luke 4 through 7, Jesus is teaching, and he says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who can kill the body. After that, have uh, nothing more that you can do. You know, if you were living in that day and time, you would have been concerned about persecution, about what the 
Romans could do to you, what your masters could do to you. And uh, Jesus says, don't be afraid of people who can kill you. Then he, he says, but I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he is killed has authority to cast in to hell. Fear the one who has the authority to put you in hell. And then he goes on to say something very unusual. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? So that wasn't a very big deal, sparrows. And not one of them is forgotten before God. God cares about every little bird. This morning, if you got up and you looked and the birds are out in the snow, God knows about every one of them. And God cares about every one of them. Now look how detailed he gets, verse 7. And when the hairs of your head are all numbered, fear not. God knows how many hairs you have in your head. Isn't that amazing? And just think, we're a small group. He knows that worldwide. He knows how many hairs people have in their head. And then he says, fear not, you're more valuable than many sparrows. One of the things as you study the Gospels that you will find is that Jesus lived with a consciousness of eternity as he ministered. He didn't look at people, well, this is just this moment. He saw people in light of eternity. Matter of fact, look around the room. Everyone here today will live someplace forever. We read Psalm 139. When God made you, God made me, he had an eternal purpose. It wasn't just so we could endure this life. He's got bigger and better plans for each one of us. Everyone here is precious to God. One of the things that is a test of our Christianity is do you love people? Do you care about others? Jesus loved people. This morning, I want to remind you of the fact that not only did God make man, but God made angels. He has an eternal purpose for each. Every man created has their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, angels, I'm a little more vague on that subject. Why? Because God made them sometime 
in eternity past before he made the heavens and the earth. Because, how do you say that? Well, in the book of Job, we find that the angels are worshiping and praising God as he made the new heavens and the new earth. So we don't know how old angels are, but we know that they, have, they were created for the purpose of the glory and honor of God. Now this morning, I want to address this topic that Jesus brings up in Luke 12, and that is the subject of hell. Now, over the years, I've, in the ministry since I started, since I was a Christian, I was told there was a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And I have found over the years some strange responses to the topic of hell. I've had people tell me, we don't talk about that. I've had people tell me, hell is the figment of your imagination. God loves everybody. Churches should not scare people by talking about hell. When I first was getting started in the ministry, I went to a chaplain's meeting at a hospital, and they were going to tell pastors how to call on people in the hospital. And one of the first things they said now, when you go to the hospital and you talk to somebody who's sick, don't be talking about hell or heaven. And my question is, then why do I need to go? You, you know what I've found over the years? When people are really sick, they don't want to talk about the weather. They don't even want to talk about the Broncos or anything. But people want to talk about their relationship with God and eternity. One of the great joys that I've had is to see people come to know Christ in the hospital, some of them on their deathbed. One of the other things that is of deep concern to me you go to funerals, and fewer and fewer funerals will you ever hear the word hell mentioned. Friends, one of the great truths of the Bible is there is a heaven to gain, and there's a hell to shun. We are called by God to speak the truth in love, but to tell people the truth. <clears throat> I don't know as you, if you have had the same problem that I've had. I read the book of Genesis. Genesis 1, God made everything. Verse 31 of that chapter, he, he says, and it was all very good. Chapter 2, still, everything is perfect and very good. 
Then chapter 3, something happens between chapter 2 and chapter 3, and we have evil represented by Satan, and he wants to get Adam and Eve to follow his deception. And I think, God, why did you allow evil? This was all made perfect. This was all made good. And one of the things that God's going to help me to understand in eternity future is why he allowed evil. Then, as you think about Genesis 1 and 2, God made everything perfect. And then we find out that he made a place called Sheol as a place of suffering. Why? I don't know all the answers to this, but let me just say that angels were made with a free will. They had the ability to choose. Man had the ability to choose. And there's an ominous consequence when people choose to reject the God who made them. The God who made the heavens and the earth. There's an ominous consequence to that. When man or or angels choose to rebel against God, hath God said, you know, one of the shocks that people who reject Christ are going to have is they stand before God. One of the first things they're going to have to acknowledge is, oh no, I was wrong about God. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He does love you, and you've rejected his love. And there will be eternal consequences for that. When God's creatures rebel against him, there's a shocking reality to eternal punishment. You know, as I've studied on this subject of hell over the years, one of the things about God, about hell, about so much of the Bible is that it is beyond eternal suffering is beyond my ability to understand. When you think that God is talking about an eternal plan and those who reject his eternal plan of love will experience his eternal plan of separation and suffering. Just to briefly summarize some things for you, 
Uh, we can do the outline now, Brian. Or, I mean, Ryan. Uh, the why did God make a place of eternal suffering? Well, that's His choice, and that's His plan. To quickly summarize what the Bible teaches on this subject, the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is Sheol, the Greek word is Hades, and it was a place of suffering. Now, the easiest way to understand that is look at Luke 16 when Jesus is teaching, and he talks about the rich man and Lazarus who died. Lazarus used to stay at the rich man's table uh, and eat the crumbs. And the rich man dies, and he's in hell and in much torment, and he looks up and he sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom or paradise. And there is a great gulf fix between the two of them a barrier where you couldn't go between heaven and hell. So Sheol's got the lowest Sheol, the pit and the sides of the abyss, that's a place of suffering. The upper part of Sheol in the Old Testament is paradise, a place for the redeemed. And this some interesting things are said in Luke 16. The rich man who fared sumptuously in his life says, send Lazarus that he could dip the tip of his finger in some water and touch my tongue for I am in much torment here. Then he had another request for Lazarus. He says, Lord, send him back to talk to my brothers. I've got five brothers, and I don't want them to come to this awful place. And Jesus said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, they will not hear or believe if one is raised from the dead. So, <clears throat> Hell, Sheol in the Old Testament is a temporary place. When Christ rose from the dead, according to Ephesians 4, he took paradise into heaven because in first, Second Corinthians 12, Paul says he was caught up to paradise in the third heaven. Ezekiel. Chapter 18, verse 23, we see God's compassion. He says, I do not have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live. You know, the Old Testament, the New Testament, God has been a God of hope and a God of love. He's offered salvation to humanity, and he wants men to repent of their sins and believe and follow him. 
John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Proverbs 16.4, And the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. God's a good God. He created Man chose to rebel against God. Have you ever thought, what is my trouble or what is my consequence from the fall of Adam? Where do I get my rebellion? We have a corrupt heart. God gave us a clean heart and sin corrupted it. This morning, I'm not going to take time to go through all this, all these two verses, but let me read you Galatians 5, 19 and 21. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. I challenge you, go through those words Look around every night as you hear the news or you read the newspaper or you experience life, even life at Walmart. Uh, You're going to see this list of sins active in the heart of men. Now, the last verse, verse 21 Listen as I read it to you. Paul is writing this under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do or literally practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, that list of sins tell us about our rebellion to God. And I want to tell you, man is not good at the heart. In his heart, he has got all these potentials. This sin has not only destroyed the world, but it destroyed the lives of so very many people. The rebellion from the human heart. God, we need to fear God's response to sin because God's holy nature demands a response to evil. God intensely hates all disobedience to him. God's wrath is poured out on sin. When you think of the book of Revelation, people say, I don't understand it. Let me tell you what you need to understand. God is pouring his wrath out on the sins of the world. That's the big message. God's perfect justice demands judgment. God's holy nature demands judgment. God has a purpose for everything. God means it for good 
and for his glory and God's love demands sin is dealt with forever. You miss the message of the Bible if you do not understand the great love of God. From Genesis 3.15 on, God has offered man hope over sin, over the consequences of sin. The whole Old Testament looks forward to the coming of a Messiah. And that Messiah came just on the day that he said he would in the prophet Daniel. Jesus Christ came into this world. He lived, he was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He showed man what God was like. Then he after his three years of public ministry, was crucified, despised and rejected. Three days later, he arose again from the dead and he ascended into heaven. In our text in Luke, we are told to fear God. Why? There's only one God. God is spirit, God's truth, he's just, he's holy, he's everywhere, omnipresent. He's unchangeable, immutable. Do you know the same God that made Adam and Eve and, and created the heavens and the earth and the God that Abraham prayed to and Joseph and Peter and Paul and the saints of the past is the same God we worship and he has not changed one bit. The same God. He's triune, he's eternal, he's all-knowing. Every time I read that passage in Luke, and he knows every hair of my head. You see your hair come out, at least I do now in my life. You see your hair come out in the morning after you brush, comb your hair. God knows all those. God is all-powerful. And he is perfect love, grace, mercy, and goodness. Now, Ryan, go on and put that next slide up, please. Uh, what did Jesus teach? This morning, I won't have time to walk through all these, but let me say that if you look at these verses, there are five senses that hell... People say, well, I'll go to hell and I won't know anything. Look, if you go to hell, you'll know everything. You're still going to have your senses and you'll experience hell. The touch, the taste, the smell, the sight. The reality of hell is totally ugly. I do not know anyone that I would like to see spend forever and ever in those conditions. Hell is a horrible place, and one of the most horrible things about hell is it lasts forever and ever and ever. People who die outside of faith in Christ will be tormented for all eternity, and quickly, uh, 
it's an unquenchable fire, the scriptures teach. Jesus did. There's memory and remorse. There's thirst. There's misery and pain. Frustration and anger. Separation from God. God's undiluted wrath will be represented. It's a place that was made for Satan and his hosts. It's an eternal place. And the final place for all the unsaved is the lake of fire. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20. This is an important passage. Before I get to the 11th verse, I want to remind you of the context. In the life of Christ, one of the last things that happened after the resurrection was that Jesus Christ ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives. He had a crowd there. They watched him ascend, and he says, I'm going to come again in like manner. And he will. Today, believers are looking for the return of Jesus Christ. When he comes, you can read Revelation 19 about this, he's going to come from heaven on a white horse On the side of the horse will be king of kings and lord of lords. And he is going to come to put down the rebellion of the nations of the world against him and Israel. That's the end of the seven years of tribulation. During the years of tribulation, God's pouring his wrath out upon this earth. The prince of peace is going to come back and he's going to set up his kingdom. Now for 1,000 years, Jesus is going to be on this earth. You could touch his hand. You could hear him speak. It'll be a wonderful world to live in. No corrupt world system. Everybody worships at the same place, believes the same things, Sin will be dealt with with a rod of iron. Perfect justice will be involved. In verse 7 and 8 of Revelation 20, at the end of the thousand years reign of Christ, Satan is loosed from the pit. And he goes to the four corners of the earth deceiving the nations. And the Bible says, and and every time I read this, I, I have to look again, that those who followed him, their numbers is like the sands of the sea. Now think of this. Jesus on earth for 1,000 years No doubt about him, but a multitude of people will still reject Jesus Christ. 
and they're judged immediately. Then look at verse 11 of Revelation 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Here's Christ. The earth and the sky fled away. All we have is the great white throne and the one who's on it. This is the most solemn of times in eternity future. Then verse 12 says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before, his thr- before the throne, and the books, plural, were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Let me explain that real quickly. Every unsaved person, every person who has not been forgiven of their sins, every person who is not in Jesus Christ will someday give an account for every foul word, every wrong deed, they will be judged for every sin. And it's in the books. Now you remember this morning when I read Psalm 139? That is God making you and I, and he put everyone he made in the book of life. How do you get out of the book of life? You get out of the book of life by not believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You reject him, and you will spend an eternity in hell. Why? You're rejecting his great love. He left the glories of heaven took upon himself the form of a human being, lived in a sin-cursed earth, and he suffered and he bled and he died for all our sins. He paid the once and for all price. Look how this passage in Revelation finishes. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is God's eternal place of punishment and torment for the unbelievers. This is the second death, the lake of fire. You're permanently separated from God. And then look how... Verse 15 handles it. If anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Your name is taken out of the book of life when you reject Jesus Christ. 
You say, well, what does that happen? That's God's business. I know one thing. I have come alongside of people who are near death and have been real anti-Christian, and I've watched God break their heart before they die, and they trust Christ. My biased opinion is their names are blotted out of the book of life just before they die. Because God's a good God. He's a God of hope. He's a God of love. And he gave himself. He died on the cross so that you and I could have a reconciliation with God. Our hearts would lead us to hell. And the love of Christ leads us to an eternity with him of hope and peace. Let's pray. Father, this morning, this is an ominous subject for us to even think about. You taught about it when you were on this earth. Everything you said about it was very unpleasant. It's not something that we would wish on anyone. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes this morning to the great love of Jesus Christ, how he gave himself so that we could have reconciliation with God, so that we could have the hope and peace of eternal life. Now, God, this morning, if there's anyone here who doesn't know Christ and, and they're looking for an eternity in hell, I pray you would make them aware of the ugliness of it and help them to see the beauty of Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.